0: welcome to the pints and polishing podcast the most informational educational and entertaining podcast for auto detailers welcome to the community Welcome
1: to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. You can find us at Total Auto Solutions on most platforms, or if you're on TikTok or the new Clubhouse, find us at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch with me is shoot me a text, 918-800-1188. And that is exactly what Cody did. This is a a cool episode. Cody uh, listens to our episodes, and he shot me a text and said, hey, I got a question. And, uh, you know what? I'm very grateful that Cody took his time, not only to ask the question, but then, Hey, I said, Hey, why don't you hop onto the episode? Not everybody wants to all good. If you don't, no worries. We love the questions, but if you want to hop onto an episode and ask the question, man, we love that too. So this is the episode that Cody asked a question on coatings. How do you know when to remove them? How do you know how to remove them? How do you know if there's a coating on there? How do you know how deep the coating is? Wow. How thick is it? Man, really great questions. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you got any value out of it, please share, right? Go into the groups, share the link, tell people that you got a lot of great info out of it. Share to your detailing friends. That's how we build community. This is Mari, Total All Solutions. Make it a great day. Cody, tell us about your business real quick. Give us a little 30 second, one minute scoop.
0: Well, um, So I've had a lot of stuff happen to me in the last, month and a half to two months i was working at a sixteen thousand acre plantation um helped managing it and running um hunts for quail hunting we have guests that come in spend 50 grand a week to hunt quail um was doing that recently moved to georgia and was making the commute to work all right hold on nick
1: do you ever hunt quail
0: yes i have
1: all right, oh, wow. I've never hunted quail but I was one job I got while I was a mobile detailer right here in Oklahoma as we just experienced many times you can have some rough rough winters where there's no way you're going to clean cars for weeks. So I even even with the snow and the ice right I couldn't clean concrete. So I found another right one of those random ones uh, where I knew a guy that he was a geologist and he would measure water for farmers. Now, I would get to go to California, went over to the, uh, uh, the fields where they were growing all the almonds and was actually in one of the diamond grow farms. And we were measuring for, so that they could find new water there. But I also spent time up North in like Kansas, Omaha, up through there. And you go out into those cornfields, man, you want to talk <laughs> about quail? wow they love it I mean, you walk out there and oh, i mean yeah. there was they would warn us because there was hunters that would be out there on a regular basis you know oh like, yeah that's awesome and, you know so we would but you know we'd be out there setting out our little things and you know there they go you know it was, <laughs> it
2: was crazy that's awesome. so yeah, so that you,
0: the crap out of you
1: so cody you would lead people out to go hunt those
0: birds so yeah we would go by horseback as well. So, new school, everybody's on the, the side by sides or the rangers hunting whale. We do the old fashioned way uh, horseback. Um, we have a lead huntsman. My job is to hold his horse when he gets down, when the dogs point. And uh, I hold his horse and our guest horses. We have two hunters down at a time. So, as I'm riding a horse, I'm running around wow. with three other horses. That's crazy. While nice. marking birds that are shot or that fly off. It's, it's a lot of fun.
1: Oh, I bet it would be. All right. So it, how did that get, how did that get killed? Corona killed it?
0: So no, actually it almost did. Um, but because of me moving an hour away, it wasn't justifiable to work there for the money. Um, and they used to feed us, uh, but because of Corona, we couldn't all be in our dining room to eat our meals for breakfast and lunch. So I'm a foodie. And that was one of the big things that got me to go there. And, uh, I, I decided I'm like, Hey, it's not worth the money. I mean, it was a pleasure working here. I learned a lot and everything, but I need to do something else. So I found a local, um, distribution center for target, the, the, um, the department store and, uh, I was supposed to start there on the 2nd, and I was going to work three 12s over the weekend, and then I'd have all week to do my detailing um, through the week. And two days before I was supposed to start, they said, hey, you can't start yet. You got to wait till the 23rd, which I believe is tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, so that put me through uh, a bit of a predicament because uh, I did leave the plantation for that job. And I've always had something, you know, to make the base salary for m- myself, my so wife and kids.
1: Are you in your own shop now? Is that what it is?
0: I've had my own shop, but I was doing it more as the hobby thing. You know, as long as I was making my rent here, I was happy, you know, getting the cars in and just, you know, taking it slow while I build the clientele. I opened up in September. Um, and I mean, I've been kind of, getting to pick what I do so it's been kind of nice I don't I'm not here every day well I wasn't here every day and then that's
2: changed yeah
0: that changed (laughs) drastically so luckily the week that I found out about that I had a local uh, dealership reach out to me and they were behind 100 cars that needed detailed and they're like "Uh, when can you come and get some work done for us I'm like ah hold up let me come in, get a face to face. Let's talk about pricing and uh, expectations, and we'll go from there. And the pricing was decent, but I mean, at, at least it's guaranteed work. So um, it kind of pushed me to try. Cody, it can time.
1: I can I ask you? Because I love it. I don't know. You said you've listened to the podcast. So you know, we've talked heavily about, about detailers going in and getting work like that for dealerships. So yeah. uh, what can I get you to just ask you? I mean, ballpark. What what are you what are you getting paid?
0: So for them, it's only a hundred bucks a car, but if there's stickers and decals, they'll pay an extra 50, um, which to me stickers on the back window and stuff take less than 15 minutes. So it's a it's easy one. But, um, like today I had a vehicle that had dog hair and they don't pay extra for, you know, pet hair and stuff like yeah. that. So it's been somewhat nice. I've been able to get some stuff out within two to three hours. And then days like today, it's like six and that's like, eh. You know three but, hours
1: uh, max that's 30 what nick you're the math guy was that 30?
2: Yeah, 33 bucks an hour yeah,
0: yeah i mean
1: 33 yeah. bucks and an hour for somebody that just opened up a shop but i mean what do you think
0: that's, that's decent but i decent? mean my goal as a shop is to bring in 50 an hour so but because yeah, okay. of dealership you know you've got to take a loss with dealerships you know so 33 is still pretty good um, it's in the criteria that I want. I wouldn't
1: say you gotta take a loss working with dealership. I don't don't look at it that way. Look at it, like you said, you got a really good foundation, you know, a hundred bucks, right. you're right. I mean, we can bump that, you can play with them a little bit. Uh, yeah. you know, but just getting that good solid work in, man. I'm I'm proud of you. Not too many people would oh, would would step out and do it that way when you I wanna agree. be uh, <laughs> I think you said if you talking paint gauges and PPF man, really pumped for you that you would go ahead and do that to help uh, establish your business. And that's what we say, man, it's a great foundation. It doesn't have to be the main source of income, but like right. you said, man, if you can get a hundred cars,
0: huh, that's, yeah. that's
1: a great start to your month.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: All right. So you got some detailer work, but uh, for the most part, you're trying to uh, trying to do what with your business?
0: So just trying to grow it um I've been dabbling in PPF obviously I took a course in for Hexis Body Fence um outside of Atlanta I did that last March right when corona hit and uh so I kind of had you know in mind that I wanted to do a shop um I've been a mobile detailer in this area for the last 2 years but I was looking for the next you know something different um I mean, around this area, obviously everybody has a lot of competition, you know, with people that, you know, are detailers, um, and around this area, there actually is a great, um, community of detailers. Hey, um, community. And they do, yeah, that's right. Um, and they do great work too. So, um, normally if I hear someone bashing actually one of the local detailers, um, I take a step back and have to ask them, well, what did they pay for? You know, what were their expectations? stuff like that um i had one client he bashed one of the best detailers in our in our area and um he claimed that he put buffing marks in it well vehicle was black and i said well what did you pay for and he was like oh they buffed the vehicle i'm like with what like were they doing an all-in-one you know like when did you notice the scratches and he's like when i washed it and i'm like well you know sometimes you have fillers that are in your your scratches, and if you were willing to pay their full price for a paint correction, they probably, you know, did just a paint thing, Yeah. Right. And uh, he's like, I don't, like, he's like, why are you backing them? And I'm like, because, I mean, that's just how I am. I'm not, I'm here to educate, not here to, you know, bash my local competition.
2: Yeah. That's
1: smart, Cody. That's smart. It's a great way of handling that. All right. So, uh, Oh, yeah, really? I'm
0: trying to get into more vinyl stuff. And because I mean, there isn't a huge, like, there isn't a lot of competition when you get into the PPF and the vinyl work. So I've been dabbling in that a little bit. Um, I actually last week just booked my first full car um, to do a full wrap on. Oh, people. wow. That's cool. awesome. So, yeah,
1: that's cool. Yeah. Man. Uh, so you sent me a question uh, and I really appreciate you reaching out. Said you'd listened uh, and had a question. So wanted you to get on and uh, get you a chance, you know, ask the question and that way we can uh, chop it up a little bit. So man, thanks for taking the time to introduce yourself. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, you know, ask us your question, man.
0: Okay. So there's two parts. Um, The first part is um, there's a detailer out in Oregon. um, I believe his name is Harrison. He was asking about, he's recently was working on a vehicle and he couldn't tell if it was coated or not. So what are the best methods out there to test if there is a coating, remove, and then what to do after that? Um, I put my input in, um, like using a rapid remover or a stripping chemical to kind of remove, you know, the coat. If there's a lot of you know silica dioxide based or nice sealants that actually do repel water really well. So, mm-hmm. water behavior can kind of trick you into thinking that there's a coating, but there might not be. Um, so I told them to do that first, you know, and pay attention to the water behavior, just do a panel, try and strip it, and then if you get the same results, then not to me, I would assume it's coating. Um, and or,
2: or a really stout polymer or a really stout, I mean, even what you're seeing now coming out of the car wash world, Marty, we've talked about this. There's some stuff that's being put on in tunnel washes that won't come off, you know, as easy as some of the five-year coatings on the market. Oh, wow. uh, so, and, and look, people have have discussed this other places, guys that have been doing this a long time, but I think it is an interesting question, right, Marty? Is, this yeah. first part of this question is pretty interesting. A, water behavior just tells you something is there. So that's the most logical thing. Okay, is the water behavior there? Whatever, you know, and you could just do this. Let's just call it a door panel. I wouldn't really want to do this on a hood. I wouldn't, you know, because it's such a big surface. I would pick a smaller surface, you know, rear quarter panel, whatever, and start to do my testing, right? Like that's, that's pretty logical, guys know that. I'm with you. You could use something like an IPA wipe. Uh, Some of the panel wipes are really aggressive now. You know, you you said rapid remover, you know, whatever, whatever solvent, you know, uh, Marty, I think we came into the business. It was paint thinner,
0: (laughs) Uh, lacquer
2: thinner. So, you know, now panel wipe would be perfectly okay to see if that can make some kind of difference on that test panel. The problem we see is even if you go back to some of the, the stout sealants that people can put on their car, you know, a panel white might not even take that off. And you got some, you know, you got some different types of waxes that don't come off as easy as well. So here's, here's why guys go to a standard practice. And I think Marty, you know, this, if you're just taking the coating off for the sake of taking the coating off, which usually you're not doing, you're usually taking it off to then apply something. Uh, if I see that kind of water behavior, I would take w- a one easy thought process. I'm going to bare minimum polish this surface or if it's bad enough or heavy enough, I may have to compound and polish. So I don't really get into, I'm trying to sit there and spend hours identifying what it is in this instance. As soon as I see that nasty water behavior, I'll try to wipe it off, you know, with something aggressive on a, on a back panel. If that doesn't get it, I got to pull a polisher out. Because to reapply something, I got to remove whatever that is. And so at that point in time, I'm now just concerned of how hard is this going to be to get off the surface with a polisher? And so this is why so many guys just say, hey, look, we're going to put a polisher on it. They don't even do all this testing. Once they see the water behavior, they're like, hey, bare minimum, this needs an aggressive one step or a really complete one step or worst case scenario, I got, you know, I'm going to pull out a microfiber cutting or wool cutting and do a two-step. So I I think that'd be my advice is that once I see crazy water behavior, you're right. It could be anything because so many things mimic coating. Uh, But I I would almost resign myself to the fact of you're going to need to polish it off of there.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Especially if it's a, if it is a, you know, a traditional coating then it should have a hardness level that allows uh, a pH level of 12 or below to, to be on the surface. And then, mm-hmm. so like you said, if you use that alcohol wipe or if you used, you know, like you said, like something like a lacquer thinner or, you know, <laughs> yeah. boy, some of those were rough. I mean, they rough. were whew, rough. rough. Uh, you know, it, it <laughs> should, right? If, if, it's, if it's a coating, it should still survive. It should still. That's what I find it funny when people ask me about a stripper soap. Could a stripper soap pull off a coating? In theory, just based on the chemistry, it should not, right? 12 pH level should push away the majority of all, even stripper soaps so much. I mean, what, 13? Is 13's the highest, I think, right? So oh, yeah. a 12 yeah. on a pH level is I mean it's it's incredibly high so even a stripper soap soap should repel I'm sorry the coating should repel even a stripper soap uh, yeah. The only way I've found, you know, when I've done testing of trying to get uh, coatings off is to actually get out a polisher and some yeah. polish and remove. I, it, you know, and the only times I've really dealt with this question. So in, in all reality, when, you know, we've had a couple times where somebody has come back in, uh, I've worked with a local detailer who got a phone call from a, a customer and said it had been about a year that they had had CC 105, which is our three-year coating, been about a year since they'd had it on. And they were not getting water repelling. So customer was going to bring it in. The detailer called me. I said, no problem, man. I, I can help you out over the phone or, you know, you're here locally. So let me just swing by at the same time so we can see what's going on. Well, this customer had been just using a water I mean, After talking to him, right, talking, you know, he, we got it there. And of course it was like, uh, it was kind of hit or miss. Some parts. Wasn't were, it? Wasn't
2: you know, exactly maintained.
1: <laughs> wasn't Well, had used a water hose. That's the only way he had washed his car. Yeah. Was using a water hose. He had seen video. Had some, right. He'd been through our, you know, our customer, oh. our customer educate. Right. Everything had been educated, but he just thought, right. Because he had watched something he'd been over a, or about a year using a water hose to wash off his car. And it had worked up until over the last month ish. When he started to see it wasn't working as much, we're like, hey, listen, I bet you we get a clay bar out. Sure <laughs> enough, a little clay, just a nice little clay, right back yeah. to normal, no so issue. I'll,
2: I'm actually gonna bring up something that most people don't talk about because this is such a, a hairy kind of conversation that a lot of guys don't have. So there's a difference between encodings, there's an effective life, right? Where it, you see all the hydrophobic properties, whatever. What nobody ever discusses is you could actually still have coating on the surface and it have no more effective life. So you don't get any of the properties. So as soon as I think there's a coating on the surface, that's why I go to polishing. Because even if I think, okay, I'm going to spray this on there and I wiped it off and it's not, you know, it's not exactly water beating like it should, I'm still going to believe in my head there's something on the surface. And if there's something on the surface, Marty, here's where I thought you were going that next install that I'm about to do for that customer can get rejected. If there's a coating already on the surface that I haven't removed, now I'm gonna get a rejection and my coating job is going to look like this guy didn't know what he was doing and the, and the customer is going to be the loser, right? And so I, I think what I would tell anybody is as soon as you think there's something aggressive protecting the surface, you know, learn to do a really complete one step removal, which does take experience. It does take know-how, but if that doesn't work, you may have to two-step it just to get it, but don't think just because the water behavior has changed that you've actually removed that base layer of coating because there is an effective life of coating, and Marty, you've seen it. You have a coating get to the sixth year or fifth year or whatever, and it just starts to deteriorate in the properties, but then you go to apply coating and it gets rejected. So you got to remove and, 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 you know, it's, it's like how I would treat oxidation, right? If I see light oxidation, I'm not going to put coating on there because I realize it's going to probably be rejected. If I, if I go ahead and exfoliate that paint, I know I can go ahead and apply. So I would almost treat it the same way. I would treat coating exactly like oxidation, except you just can't see it, you know, especially when it's not effective.
1: Yeah. And the interesting part, and Cody, we'll go into your second part of the question, because the interesting part is, you know, if you get a car that comes in that you think is coded, so let's put this uh, customer of mine in in his situation, right? Knows that the product's still on there because the car still looks. And you ask the guy, you know, well, how do you think the car looks? You know, the customer loves it, right? Still looks great. Is there any bird dropping? Is there any bug etching? Is there any zero issues whatsoever? So the coating is doing its job protecting. It just had so much stuff get set on it. That over a year, never properly washing, it just lost its hydrophobics. So, yep. Cody, you had mentioned right. Well, with so many different sprays, so many coating sprays, so many different things out now that could build hydrophobics. Wow, that's a like that's another flip because could you just literally and legitimately? Some detailers might do it, and I would definitely say that there's brands that push it that you could just go and spray a SiO2 type. We we don't think it's a full tattoo, right? It's more of like a water based protectant, which is what we call it. Uh, but mm-hmm. has really great coating type properties with hydrophobics and a good one to two month protection. Could you legitimately just use that versus the need for a coating? Is one of the big questions I think that Cody, as you say, you know, how do I know? Can I just spray a, another product on? Uh, go ahead and, and let's talk through your question.
0: Well. N- also with that too the guy that was asking the question he doesn't do coatings so he was also trying to figure out if the coating is there what can he put on top of it so he was running into the issue where he didn't want to you know he wanted to strip if there was something already there but if it was a coating he didn't want to ruin the coating itself as well with clouding or anything like that so that's where he was running into trouble obviously with me you know polishing it you know it would remove everything and then you work from the base and work your way out with the coating Where him. If he doesn't feel comfortable, put the coating on, then that's the issue that he was running into, um, as well. So what do you have to say with people that aren't doing coatings, but they don't want to ruin, you know, the behavior or adding more protection to what's already on the
2: vehicle? Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting, I guess I never even thought about this. Um, what I would say is is that you need to do a thorough cleaning, okay? Which is, I'm sure, what this guy's offering is—you know, a very basic, what we would call a basic detail, right? You know, uh-huh. clean the inside. Now, you know, it sounds like that's what he was doing, which is a viable service. But you also need to know where to draw the line with that service. Um, as soon as I identified there was a coating on the surface, I wouldn't, and and I was in his shoes. Now, mind you to everybody, we're talking about this detailer in particular, not having the experience to maybe feel comfortable polishing, maybe doesn't want to reapply a coating. That's the base of this question. Uh, So what I would say is uh, I might do light decontamination, let's call it chemical decontamination. Mm -hmm. I'd probably be less inclined in his position to put a clay bar on the coating because I wouldn't want to mar it because I can't fix it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'd probably stay away from that. I wouldn't normally say that, but in this case, hundred percent stay away from it. Uh, so chemically decontaminate it, uh, to the best of your ability and make sure you feel comfortable working with those products because they do have adverse effects if you use them improperly. Uh, but I would leave it at that. And then if I wanted to, I would ask the customer, hey, do you know if there's a what coding brand is on here? Okay. One of the things I think people are getting willy-nilly about, and Marty, you're in the chemical part of this, is just throwing any topper in the world on top of everybody's coding. And the problem with that is you're doing a disservice to what the gentleman paid for or what the woman paid for or what the customer paid for. If they paid for X brand, it's because they likely like how X brand reacts and looks. Okay, so let's just say I put on Marty's Agno coating. Well, then if I put Agno coating on a car, Marty, and I use X brand over here to top your coating, it's gonna have different hydrophobic properties. It's gonna probably like you said, cloud the surface a little bit because it doesn't play well together. So people kind of get willy-nilly with these sprays. And I think it's actually a harmful thing. It starts to clog the coating. Most people don't realize that. Yeah. Just yeah. like a contaminant can clog the coating, bad toppers that don't play well together, they clog the coating just the same. And that's where you get that cloudiness. You get the weirdy reaction. You usually get smear marks uh, that you can't get off, right? Like the, it's like, why does this look the way it does? I think for me, if I were in a position of a guy just trying to get started or just feeling comfortable, do with what you're comfortable. You don't have to push it. Charge accordingly, but don't go crazy doing something you don't feel comfortable with. And people are on the internet, Marty, you and I have talked about this for about a year and a half. People are making guys believe they have to go and do all this high level work when they've been in the business or just started or have done it for five minutes. It's okay, man. Start at the basics wash a car, decontaminate a car, throw wax or sealant on a car, right? It's okay to learn those things. But this gentleman's running up on a coating. Don't do anything you don't feel comfortable with and don't do anything that may damage that coating. So that's where I would be. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't try to spray something on it. I I just wouldn't do that because of the negative aspects of, if you don't know what the coating brand is, you could start to negatively affect that underlying coding that the that the customer paid for somewhere else. Right.
1: All right. Good, good advice. Uh, Cody was one I think you're you had a question. That's why I thought we were going on the, the pink gauge, right? <laughs> I got like, off topic,
0: uh, maybe it's like No again. worries. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like how do you determine, right? Then you went into a little bit more of a a, a true how do I know how much coding? Do I use a pink gauge? You know, how. Let's say we do want to, let's say somebody's coming in, they've, they've got a, like a, a three year that they're into it and, and it's a five year product, right? And we want right. to give it a fresher or something, right? How, how do we determine how much coding is on there? It seems, seems like if, if coding companies are gonna have these lifetime, lifetime coatings, if they're gonna have a seven year, a five year, I mean, those are long, 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 long years how do we know three years into it how much is actually there on the clear coat? uh i think was basically your question go you know help me yeah help me yeah, out yeah. If, that, if was, I missed that it.
0: was where i was going to end up going to was uh, you know everybody pushes the 10h hardness you know factor uh, great that's awesome you know it holds up against some abrasion but how much abrasion can it hold up to until it's completely gone so um, is there different thickness levels between each installer or, you know, each kind of chemical company, um, where you, I, to me, I, you would think the thicker the coating, the longer it would last. So, yeah. yeah
1: I, I, you know, Oh, yeah. you let me grab this one yeah. first. Let me grab yeah. this one first. All right. So I, I would agree that, yeah, there are coatings that are thicker than others. There's no doubt. I mean, multi-layer brands, when you look at the viscosity, right? How thin it's an incredibly thin product that then you have to spend hours. I mean, I'm talking sometimes six, seven hours to put on all the different layers to then equal what, you know, one reason why I did CC 105 as a composite is that it has a base layer and a top layer built into its matrix. So I'm, I'm getting two layers by, while only applying one application. And it is much thicker. You can definitely tell when you, you know, pour it, drip it, you know, however you want to put it on your applicator from that point, you can tell it's thicker. And then when you apply it, it's thicker. And then, so I say then, Hey, it's just like a good thick woman, man. The more you take (laughs) care of that good thick woman, boy, she's going to take care of you. That's just the way they do it. So you just lay that stuff on real nice and thick. Man, it takes care of you in a real, real nice way because you just, you made sure to put it on thick. And I agree, Cody. That's why I like to recommend hey, you're getting, I mean, let's talk numbers again, Nick. If, if my application cost is 50 bucks for CC 105 on a car, you know, what does that profit turn out to if I'm at 500 bucks? What percentage is that?
2: Well, look, if, you, if you're doing a multi-year coding on the high end in our industry. Well, hold on, is that, a 300?
1: is that a 300% increase?
2: Oh, I think it's much more than that. Okay, I, mean, for, I, I mean, think most of us are, I mean, you're, you're in the, and, and on a good coding application, guys are in a thousand percent return. Yep. Uh, so,
1: So my point is, why wouldn't you be, okay, let me take care of this customer. Right. Let me use this product that's thick and likes to be put on thick. And let me put it on thick so that I can make sure that my customer is well taken care of. And with CC 105, man, you put it on thick. You can feel instant gratification. You you can feel it's thicker on the paint. And and that's why I've done that product that way. I didn't want to have this really, really thin that you have to constantly fiddle with and put on over and over and over. So I do Cody think there are coatings that are thicker than others all right Nick. yeah
2: so paint depth gauges are misunderstood um they're not super accurate we don't know how accurate they are to be super accurate you'd need like stuff that they use in industrial type applications to measure substrates on navy ships and you know stuff that instruments the detailers aren't going to buy so when we get a paint depth gauge that costs a few hundred bucks or even a thousand bucks it's giving us a rough estimate Okay, that there's something here. It is a good thing, you know. Something I've had to use my entire career because if you look, if you work on collectibles that are say thirty years old, and your an original paint is more valuable. Now I can't really mess around, right? Like I can't, I can't really screw around, and I got to know where roundabout my limit is before I burn this paint off. Modern clear coats getting even more and more thin. Paint gauges are getting less and less. Accurate probably because of some of the water based uh, paint systems and different things that are going on. I don't, you know, again, I'm not a scientist on this. It's my gut feeling. We're starting to see that that industry paint depth gauges is going to have to change rapidly. But when it comes to coating, because paint depth gauges aren't super accurate, it's not going to super tell you to an accurate level what kind of coating is on the surface. Right, because it doesn't even do the stuff that's industrial grade, like the primer coat really well, doesn't do clear coat and color coat really well, doesn't do the top clear coat like on that beautiful Acura you have. These are great paint systems that the paint depth gauge is not accurate on. It is close. It is a round number that we can use as a guide. That's all that it is. And so, yeah, I think detailers are put into a really tough spot. When you're trying to identify what's on the surface and this is where experience is going to have to play a part because you're going to have to be able to understand what naked paint looks like what's the behavior of naked paint compared to even something like a tiny bit of coating left on the surface looks like that is experience there is no scientific way as we sit here today and in, in February of 2021 to accurately depict what is on the surface of a car. And paint depth gauges are the same. They can't even tell you, I mean, look, go to different substrates and look how paint depth gauges start to act crazy. Go to a carbon fiber panel if you don't have the proper paint depth gauge and see how they start to react, right? We were talking about that before we got on air. So realize Mm -hmm. that they're just a limited thing. Doesn't mean that they're not a thing to use, just means that they're limited. And this is what we don't do very well in the industry is understanding limitations, right? It's okay that, that, the, that the gauge has a limitation uh, but there is going to be no way to identify what is on the surface at this point in time. Will it exist someday? I'm sure it will. It just doesn't exist now. I mean, and it doesn't exist to the detailer in an affordable manner for us, I should say. So right. that's where guys right. have to start to gain experience of how do I, polish stuff off the surface, right? How do I get stuff off the surface? And Marty goes back to application. What's on the surface? You know, this is why it's so important for customers to know what's being put on their car. This is not a joke. We, Our our industry, Marty, and I think you and I say this all the time, takes this little bottle and acts like it's not a big deal that we're applying it to somebody's $150,000 car. It is a big deal because if it's done improperly, it could be thousands of dollars in damage. Right. If it's done well and the person needs the car service three years from now and you're not around or you've moved on or you can't service that client, that client has to know what's going on. Otherwise, somebody's going to just start hatcheting up their, their surface thinking not not knowing what's going on. So I think it's a little bit of everything, but I, I, paint depth gauges and stuff like that. There's no way to identify. Not today. Unless somebody has something I don't know about, which is, I guess is possible. I, I don't know how you identify at all.
1: Yeah, I I would agree, Cody. I'm not sure. The only way I've been able to fully know when I've removed a coating is when I'm polishing, when it finally just, that polisher speeds back up. Like I've, (laughs) I've, I've I've sat there and worked on a, on a helping DJ when he's got a customer that comes in that they weren't happy with whatever brand that the detailer put on and DJ was going to put on CC 105, you know, we would have to go around and polish it and we'd, Nick, same way, right? We didn't want to leave any on because we didn't want any, Projection. not sure, right? So we, we yeah. were going to need to polish all the way off. And that's the way we would find to do it is we'd start going along and you know, if it was kind of catchy and grabby until it would just zoom and it would just, you could just almost feel and see that polisher just kind of speed back up once it finally broke through uh,
0: yeah. whatever. Was that on. actually
2: is a good way. And I'll tell other people this, uh, especially guys that polish a lot. You'll see the residue on your pad, Uh, especially if you're using like a microfiber or a wool pad, it'll get real gummy, you know, uh, and Mm -hmm. it'll be gummy and it'll be gummy. And all of a sudden you'll take another pass, you'll blow it out and then you'll take your another pass and it won't be gummy anymore because it's not picking up so much residue uh, is where you're feeling the slickness, right? Mine's a little bit more of the technical side, but Marty's is the perfect way of saying it um you will feel it start to glide on the surface a little easier and you'll you'll feel everything start to change under the pad but again that's experience marty i mean you didn't know that until the experience was gained and and that's just one thing we don't want to say to guys but i'm here to tell you that's what's going to happen you're going to have to kind of experience it and then you'll know what's happening
1: cool cody man great questions really appreciate uh Really appreciate you sending me the, the message and saying you had a couple of questions and not everybody wants to hop on and, and come ask them. So we really appreciate you taking the time. I, we see you're working and especially taking the time out of your day to hop on and ask that question, man. Cody, where do people find you on social?
0: Uh, my name is Cody Koenig. You can find me on Facebook. My business is called All In Detailing. Um, I'm Prince of Protein on Instagram. Business is Prince of Polishing. On Instagram, um, and I'm always here to help people out. So if anybody has questions too, I'm always more than happy to help. That's to awesome, we man. love.
1: Thanks for We love on. that she that it's used the word community. Uh, so really, would love for you to hop on the community pub. We do it every so Wednesday you guys are night. All about? Community. Yep. <laughs> every wednesday night man hop on the community pub there'll be other detailers there we we do stuff like this people will have questions we chat back and forth it's a lot of fun it's the same zoom that you hopped on here 918-800-1188 it's wednesdays at 7 30 man would love for you to hop on sometime
0: all right perfect we will do thanks appreciate, Cody. appreciate it, it again man thank you. you thanks man thank you Episode over. Leave us a review and we will see you on the Community Pub Wednesday nights at 730 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. That's the Community Pub Wednesday nights, 730 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. Grab a pint and enjoy.